Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. And we're going to go right into our lesson. And as I prayed and as I fasted and, and as we, our theme for the month is bringing our children up in the love and admonition of the Lord. Is that right? And so in keeping with our theme... Lord led me to kind of go back to a passage of scripture that I had looked at before, but then coming at it from a different angle. So this morning, as we look at our topic, teach them to boast in the Lord. The word teach means to instruct, to train. To The word boast from Wikipedia says it, to speak with excessive pride and self-satisfaction about one's achievements, possessions, or abilities. The word Lord, of course, in this context is capital L, capital O, capital O-R-D, which means the eternal self-existent one, the God who is God all by himself. He is not Mohammed, he's not Buddha, but he's God. And he has all power in his hand. That's the kind of God that we serve. Amen. In the year of 2000, I was ordained and I had the opportunity to perform my first marriage ceremony. And the young groomsman that uh, married, he had several children. This young groomsman, he, he, was, he made his parents proud. Matter of fact, I ran into his mom uh, last week. And when I ran into his mom, she began to share with me all of the, uh, his accomplishments. And she began to speak excessively about how God had moved him to Atlanta as he worked for Georgia Power and had provided him a position that paid a substantial amount of money. Then I had the opportunity to hear a son being bragged about by his father, about his athletic prowess or his athletic ability, if you will. Not only that, but I was talking to a co-worker. I asked the co-worker, how your family doing? And the first thing that came out of his mouth, you know, my daughter is graduating from Mercer with a four-year nursing degree. And she's graduating with a 4.0. Out of all of the conversation that we had with these parents, I never heard one once speak of their child's spiritual condition. I never heard them talk about their walk with the Lord. Matter of fact, they went on and on about all of these natural abilities, all of these earthly accomplishments. But I, lest I bore you, I found my own self critical of my own self. For you see, 
I often would would put a lot of emphasis when my son was growing up about athletics. In my own mind, trying to live through him virtuously, I virtually rather, I, I, I thought he was going to be a wide receiver, Brandon. But his mother wasn't having any of him playing football. Not only that, but he got the idea that, that athleticism was more important than Bible. So I uh, begin to understand that I have to be intentional about training him about the God of the Bible. Do I have any witnesses? You have to understand fathers, mothers, or those of you who are training or bringing up children that, that bringing them up in the love and admonition of the Lord doesn't happen by osmosis. You have to understand that a lot of times they're going to pick up more on what they see you do than what you tell them to do. If they see you praying consistently, then nine times out of ten when you're trying to teach them how to pray, they're going to want to pray. Because in their minds growing up, they want to be just like you. Believe it if you want to. So we unknowingly teach our children, but we have to be intentional about teaching our children. In our text this morning, Jeremiah, he is known as what, class? The weeping prophet. The name Jeremiah means Jehovah throws or Jehovah has appointed a he had, he sins or he appoints and God had appointed Jeho, had appointed Jeremiah rather to, to go and, and, and to prophesy, begin to preach to the nation of Judah. You see, the sister nation, uh, Israel, the northern kingdom had already been carried off into Assyrian captivity. And so God sent Jeremiah to preach to this nation that was on an untimely Road to destruction. And so when, when, when Jeremiah, he's, he's appointed by God, he's called by God, and he goes out with the message of, to, to Judah, he said, amend your ways, amend your doings, or God is going to send doom on this nation. But because they were near the temple of, of Jerusalem, because they was in Jerusalem and they they were thinking in their own minds, surely we're at the temple. God's not going to destroy the house that he called Solomon to build. The same house that he called for his name to dwell. Jeremiah, you're a false prophet. So there was another prophet going against what Jeremiah was saying. They're saying that Jeremiah, God didn't te tell you to tell us that. And when you read the book of Jeremiah, you're going to find that he, he, he prophesied for about five decades. You're going to find that he prophesied over the reign of about four kings of Judah. But when we look at Jeremiah and when he was prophesying and preaching to the nation of Judah, primarily they had gone against what God had said. They're doing pretty much like we're doing in America. They have turned their backs on God. 
Well, preacher, we haven't done that. Well, when I consider the fact that we have killed more than 50 million babies, when I consider the fact that the, the Supreme Court has made a decision for the nation that we're going to sanction same-sex marriage, when I consider the fact that we are pushing the, the, the homosexual agenda, then I assure you that that is not God's agenda. Pastor Dave talked about last month how God made man and then he brought the woman to the man. Male and female created he them in his own likeness. He didn't create Adam and Move on, Dunbar. So we find the call of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called because God had got tired of what they were practicing in Judah. One particular practice, and Jeff brought it out in, in several of his lessons, that they, they were worshiping the god Baal, or Baal, B-A-A-L. And then which came with the god Molech. The god Molech was an iron statue, and they, they, would, they would put fire in that statue, and it would, it would be heated up till it was beat red, and they would, they would put babies on the arms of the statue as a form of worship. And one, one historian said that as they would lay their babies on the arms of, the, of Molech, and as they were burning, they, the, 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 the historian said that they would beat the drums to drown out the cries of the babies. Reminding me of what happened in the book of Genesis when one brother killed another brother, Cain and Abel, and the Bible said that your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. So I can imagine back in the days of, of, of Jeremiah that these, these little innocent babies, they, they were crying out as they were being placed on the altar. Their cries went up to God and God got tired of them killing innocent babies. Make no mistake about it, God is tired of America. God is a God of love, but he's also a God of judgment. We're under God's judgment even as I'm preaching this sermon. How do you know, preacher, when you look around at all that's going on, not only in the world, but in the United States, God has moved back and allowed us, if you want to do what you want to do, then we're reaping what we're sowing. So we see the call of Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. And young folk, this is particularly for you. It's not a word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, 
For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations, over the kingdoms to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build and to plant. Well, preacher, that's in the Old Testament. But when you go over to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he writes to the Galatians. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, Paul says, But when the one who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not go ask advice from human beings. So Paul said, even when he was out murdering Christians, even before God had saved him, God had already called him. So young people, you have to understand that the only reason you're here alive is because you're here by divine appointment. Your life is not an accident. Reiterating what Pastor David already echoed, he, he's already told you that no matter how you were conceived, it was God who opens the womb. Well, preacher, show me that in scripture. Go to Genesis chapter 29 and chapter 30 and you'll find the Bible says explicitly that the Lord opened Leah's womb. Then the Bible says he opened Rachel's womb. And in 1 Samuel, he said the same thing about Hannah. He opens Hannah's womb. So without the shadow of a doubt, young people, you have to be able to know and understand that according to the Bible, God is the author of life. You are here because God decreed it to be so. In your life, it has to count for the kingdom. So your, your life not only has natural purpose, but your life has more importantly, divine purpose. So we find in our text, Jeremiah, he was called by God. Before he was ever formed in the womb, God had already determined what he was going to do and to be. Just as with us, God has a divine purpose for our life and our responsibility is to find out, why am I here? Why did God, why did God allow me to be born when there are so many others that were not born? So we see next, not only the call of Jeremiah, but notice the condition of Jeremiah's culture. The condition of Jeremiah's culture. You, you find that Jeremiah, he, he, he begins his, his prophecy and he, he talks about in, in Jeremiah chapter two, verses five and verse 13, he says, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewn out themselves cisterns Broken cisterns that can hold no water. In verse 13 he says, Thus says the Lord, What injustice have your fathers found in me, that they have gone far from me, have followed idols, and have become idolaters? God says, What have I done that would turn you away from me? And Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 13, the Lord said, 
Because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice nor walked according to it, but have walked after the stubbornness of their hearts and after the bells, as their fathers taught them. So their fathers were teaching them to worship Baal. What are we teaching our children? At one time, Brother Fred, I, I was teaching my son that be, being a part of a worldly organization has more credibility or more significance than being a part of the body of Christ. Well, you didn't just come out and teach him that, did you? No, my actions spoke louder than my words. You have to understand, parents, that if you tell it, sending your son, this is what I did, so if you send your son to the refrigerator to get a Budweiser, and then when he gets ready to go to high school and drive, and you tell him don't drink and drive, you're sending mixed signals. Move on, preacher. So we find in the condition of Jeremiah's culture, but not only do we see the condition of this culture, but, but you'll notice that God is omniscient. What does that mean, class? That means he has all knowledge. That means God knows the end from the beginning. Because why? God is outside of time. If you are, if down below represents time and this, this, this podium represents eternality, then you can say God is up here and we are down there in time. God had to create time and then he placed us in time. But in his sovereign graciousness, God stepped out of eternity and stepped down into time. Are you with me so far? So God, he, he's outside of time and God, he already knew what, what Israel was going to do. Well, how do you know, preacher? If you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 31, beginning at verse 16, it says, God, he, Moses, he wrote, the Lord said to Moses, behold, you are about to lie down. Moses is about to die now. Just after he has struck the rock and after he, God says you won't see, you won't see the promised land. Won't go into the promised land rather, but you'll see it. So Moses was able to look over and see it. So God got in the right. He said, Lord said to Moses, behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. And this people will arise and play the harlot with the strange gods of the land into the midst of which they are going. And will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. God says, then my anger will be kindled against them in that day. And I will forsake them and hide my face from them. And they will be consumed and many evils and troubles will come upon them. So that they will say in, the, in that day, is not this because our God is not among us? That these evils have come upon us? But I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil which they, they will do. For they will turn to other gods. Now therefore write this song for yourselves and teach it to the sons of Israel. God said, Moses, 
I'm going to take you over to the land, but this is what your folk going to do. God already knew what they were going to do. Because God knows all things. God knew the day that when I was born, what I was going to go through at Payne College. But yet, he allowed it to happen. He decreed me to be delivered from the hand of the enemy. Because God is just God like that. So we find also, we see the condition of this culture and God had already prophesied through Moses what was going to happen. It was James Treslow Adams who coined the phrase, the American dream. Anybody ever heard of the American dream? The American dream, he says, in which each man and woman shall be able to attain the fullest stature of which they are innately capable and be recognized by others for what they are. Has this philosophy creeped into the church? Do we love the praise of men rather than the praise of God? Do I want you to recognize me because I have a high level of intellect, academic status and standard? Do I want to be recognized because I can bench press 600 pounds and brag and boast about that? Do I want you to recognize me because I got a fat bank account? Well, Jeremiah said he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the strong man boast in his strength. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let he who boasts, boast in the Lord. How do we, how do we want the world to, to, to see us or to recognize us? Is it wrong or right to tell our children they can be whatever they want to be? Is it wrong or right? Maybe we should seek God's wisdom. Find out what God has called them to be. Maybe we should ask God about it. What do you think? So we find also we shouldn't boast in worldly respect. In the King James Version, it says, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the strong man glory in his strength. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glory, glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord. That word glory, taken from the King James Version, it means to hallel, to shine, or to make a show. Or in our vernacular, it means to show out. Simply means to, to show out. We don't have the right to show out unless we understand and know God. We've been seeing several weeks ago and inundated from media about the death of Kobe Bryant. And a lot of you who follow basketball, you know that he has, he would oftentimes uh, fun Shaq because he had five rings 
He had more than Shaq. And so they would compare him to Michael Jordan and so forth and so on. Well, what's the point, preacher? Well, when it comes right down to it, my question is, news media said that he had gone to mass with, with his daughter on that same day, his daughter named Gianna. But I want to know, can, did those trophies satisfy that hunger that God has placed on the inside of every man? I want to know what's the last thing that, that he really communicated to Gianna. Was it Christ or was it a crossover? When it all boils down, when it's all said and done, God is not concerned with the crossover. God is not concerned with how many trophies one may gather. But God is concerned that you understand and know him. That he is the Lord. Which exercised loving kindness, justice, and righteousness in the earth. He says, in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has set eternity in our hearts. And you have to understand that the only thing that can fill eternity is eternity or that which is eternal. In other words, if you don't have eternal life, then you will never be satisfied. No matter how much of money you make, you can't be satisfied. No matter if you build a big building and name it after your own motto. You can't be satisfied if they erect the statue to you. You still can't be satisfied. But when you have Jesus down on the inside, that's enough. So don't, don't, don't boast in worldly respect, but boast in a righteous relationship with the Lord. Growing up on my granddaddy's farm, I always wanted to please my grandfather. You see, my father was his oldest son, and I was my father's oldest son. So there's just something about the oldest son that wanted to please the, the, the father and the grandfather. I don't know. Just. And so as a result, I would, I, I would do things that, that I thought would please him. And, and, and grandfather was a proponent because he had a form of being diligent and faithful at work. Now you may not be able to carry two roads, but if you if you're faithful to be there and to work hard, then he'll give you he you hear him talking about you in, in the background. You know, he's a little fella, but he works hard. You know? And that meant a lot to me. But but one thing you have to understand, I didn't I didn't work to get into the Dunbar family. I was born into the Dunbar family. Likewise, the scripture tells us that for by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of work lest any man should boast. But we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he had before ordained that we should walk in them. So just as I want to please my earthly father, 
because I've been born into the family of God, I want to please my heavenly father. The scripture says that those that, that name the name of Christ be careful to maintain good works. Well, what's good works? Good works is whatever the Holy Ghost empowers you to do. Not what I do on my own, but what God works in me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Well, you said that you, I want, I want God to brag and boast about me. Oh, preacher, you're going too far now. That ain't scripture. Well, the Bible lets me know in Matthew chapter 3 when Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove. And he came up straightway out of the water. The Bible says that God echoed and said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Not only that, but in Matthew chapter 25 and John, in, the, in Luke chapter 19, when the faithful servants came back, Jesus said in his, in his, his parable, he said, Well done, thou good. And faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I make you ruler over many. Come on up a little higher. So yeah, God will brag and boast on us when we, when we are good and faithful servants. We well, said there's none good but God. Yeah, that's right. According to scripture. But when God works in me, when the love of God is manifested in me, it's not me doing it, but it's Christ working in me, that which is well pleasing in his sight. When, when God loves my enemies through me, it's God loving them. When God prayed for my enemies through me, it's God praying. But I got to get out of the way and let God work in me instead of holding on to it and, and trying to do it in my flesh. Because in my flesh, I no good thing. But when we are born from above, when the Spirit of God leads us, when we, as we were talking about on Wednesday, when we're carried along by the Holy Ghost, He'll, He'll walk with us. He'll talk with us. He'll take our tongue and He'll speak through us. So we find, as we're about to close, just let the Word of God do what it does. I'm learning that now. So Jeremiah, we see the call. We see the corruption of his culture. We see, we see that we should not brag about worldly respect. It's okay to accomplish. It's okay to get a degree. But when we speak excessively, improperly and excessively about our own accomplishments, one thing that, that, that I learned and, 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 and when, when, when I, when I saw him went off the Georgia Southern and he, he came back and he began to be a senior uh, upperclassman and he had several jobs trying to work his way through tutoring and whatnot. He said he was a sophomore. He was tutoring seniors. You know, he came up, came back with a chest all poked out. You know, I'm doing, I'm doing this and doing that. I said, son, you have to understand. You need to always understand. That but for the grace of God, you couldn't do anything. And so whenever he would say, would, would, would articulate an accomplishment, he began to preface it with say, by the grace of God, I was able to do this and that. 
By the grace of God, I was able to graduate. By the grace of God, I was able to do this. By the grace of God, am I able to stand before you this morning? No credit that any of us can take. By the grace of God. At one time, I took excessive pride at being a member, as I was telling you about earlier, about this organization. I took, I took excessive pride because, you see, it catered to my flesh. What do you mean? First John chapter 2 says, love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away with its affections and its lust. But only those that do the will of God shall abide forever. You see, it catered to the desires of my flesh. It catered to the desires of my eyes. It made me look like I was somebody to the world. It catered to the pride of life. I felt like somebody. I walked around like I was somebody. I told my father-in-law on one occasion, I probably shared this with you, I told him, you must don't know who I am. That's what happened to you. And then God showed me very clearly at a banquet. Can I just take some time for a moment and just kind of make it clear to you? I was at a banquet. Had a lot of them sitting around, you know, because they were sitting around, you know, sitting around with them. I'm somebody too. Got ready to close the banquet. We all hooked up, Fred. We all linked up, began to sing the hymn. I'm going to just sing the hymn and make it real clear for you. The song says, Omega dear, we are thine own. Thou art our love, our life, our song. We'll sing Thy praises far and nigh, and we'll love Omega Sci-Fi. Now, when you hear the song, hear the lyrics of the song, the song takes all the glory that only supposed to go to God and goes to a false deity. And the Holy Ghost say, you've been trying to avoid the conviction. And it's almost like you saying, I'm going to reveal, open your eyes one last time. And if you want to stay in it, then when you get sick, when your child is in trouble, When your loved ones are on that deathbed. 
when you go through the fire, call on that God. God opened my eyes and I put everything in a bag. Put it out in the garage. Couple of weeks ago, my wife said, you still got that stuff out there in the garage? What, you, you still holding on to it? That's two Saturdays ago, I got the bag, dropped it in the garbage. Okay, how much money I paid for it? What am I saying? It may not apply to you, but I know what the Holy Ghost spoke to me. You can't serve two masters. You're going to hate one or love and love the other? God said, I am a jealous God. You can't serve God and mammon. Mammon can really represent the world. So I'm, I'm about finished now. So if you want to brag about anything or boast about anything, boast that you understand and know God. That he delights in exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. What do you need to know about God, young people? And we sang it at our call to worship, our doxology. That God is holy. He's not just holy, but he's holy, holy, holy. What does that mean? That means God is completely separate and distinct from all that he created. He's God. He's all by himself. When Peter was on the Mount of Transfiguration, he saw Moses and Elijah. And Jesus was transformed, transfigured into uh, whiter than a weaver's weaver beaming. And, and Peter says, it is good for us to be here. Let's make three tabernacles. What in essence Peter was trying to do was put, put Jesus with Moses and Elijah. God had to step in. And God said, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. He's not on the same plane with Moses and Elijah. Because Jesus is God. And because he's God, he's all by himself. He's holy. He's righteous. And he's true. So then Micah 6, 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Remember, not only is it pleasing, it pleases God for us to delight in what he delight in. It pleases him for us to love our enemies. It pleases God for us to walk circumspectly in this evil generation. It pleases God for me as a husband to love my wife as Christ loved the church. It pleases God for a wife to submit herself to her own husband in the Lord. It pleases God for children to obey your parents in the Lord. It pleases God for us to obey his commandments. But it also pleased God to bruise Christ for our iniquities. 
It pleased him to put him to grief. It pleased the father to allow him to go out on Calvary's tree. It pleased the father for him to take your sin and mine. It pleased the father when Jesus hung his head in the locks of his shoulder and the moon dripped away in blood. It pleased the father when the earth reeled and rocked like a drunken man. It pleased the father when the tombs broke open and the dead folk came out of the tomb. But it pleased the father when Jesus went down to Sheol's grave and came up out with all power in his hand. It pleased the father for him to be seated at his right hand. It's going to please the father one day for him to unloose the seals and to judge this evil and sin sick world. But today, while you still have time, today is the expected time. Now is the day of salvation. Harden not your heart as in the day of provocation. But receive ye the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be able to teach them to hallow his name as we stand to our feet. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.